Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Look, it's a busy time in the tennis world. We obviously have the U.S. Open, the world's, uh, the world's, the season's final Grand Slam. I guess it's the world's final Grand Slam as well. Uh, upon us this week, you know, all eyes turned to New York. We had qualifying this past week. The main draw begins on Monday. We at Cracked Rackets are so excited for all of that. But we've also been thrilled with the streak of guests we've had. We had Mitchell Kruger on earlier in the week, the Steve Johnson interview, obviously very cool. But with me today, maybe the coolest interview we We've done to date, and for our listeners who aren't aware of this, I was born in 1995, so players born around that range, obviously the players I always followed growing up. Now, I was never as good as this player, but she was the 2012 USTA Girls 18s National Championship winner, where she went on to play at the US Open. Her story, one of my favorite stories, just a story of someone who has faced so much adversity in her career and has continued to have a positive outlook, continues to fight back and work her way into the tennis world. Victoria Duvall, Vicky, welcome to the Crack Interviews podcast. Thank you so much. I didn't even realize you were a 95 also. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I have a very low voice, uh, very deep tone, so I, <laughs> I see why you'd be confused. But no, I, I'm October 6, 95. I have your Wikipedia up in front of me, so I'm not creeping. But uh, oh. November, yeah, yeah us, uh, us 95ers have to stick together. I, I agree. You know what? It's the best year, in my opinion. And we're not biased whatsoever. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone knows when you think of 1995, Clinton's second term started. Uh, does it get any better than that? Oh, Probably not. Just <laughs> rocking and rolling. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, our listeners aren't going to be able to hear this, but we just had a nice little 10-minute tangent before we started. So, obviously, I should say I am thrilled for this conversation, Vicky. Because, and, you know, for our listeners who are unaware of your story, I want to talk about all of that. I'm sure you get asked about it all the time but the place I want to start you're you know another comeback for you well underway you got the chance to get a qualifying wild card into the U.S. Open now I'm sure that result didn't go your way but what was it like for you to get to be back out in New York? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was so grateful for the wild card and the opportunity to be back. Um, it was surreal. You know, U.S. Open is a place where I've had some of my best tennis memories and uh, a place where I really relish to play, you know. So um, to have that opportunity meant the absolute world to me and um, not to take anything away from my opponent, but I was definitely uh, a bit overwhelmed um, in my match, you know, just to be back and to kind of just play on such a big stage um my comeback started in july i believe so still you know working my way back and transitioning back but um you know again using the u.s open experience and learning from it and uh working hard for the rest of the year I'm curious, how are you feeling just physically at this point? As you mentioned, I think you've played now about five, maybe six tournaments uh, mm-hmm. since coming back in early July. Just how's that progress going for you? It's going really well. Um, you know, I've put in a lot of work in the gym, um, and that's one thing that I've worked on more this year than uh, previous years, just kind of really strengthening my muscles and all aspects of my body, flexibility, you know, different areas, and obviously with my coach Glenn we've you know worked on a lot of specific things on the court and so you know it's a little bit of tailoring my game as well um trying to play a little bit more aggressive trying to play the right way to preserve my body as well and um you know kind of just enjoying every day out there like I said you know it's a gift for me to be on the court every day and still have an opportunity to chase my dreams and so definitely not taking that for granted. 
Is there, you know, what's the most frustrating part, would you say, the biggest obstacles of making another return? Um, you know, I think the hardest thing for me personally is kind of getting that repetition in matches. You know, there's one thing to practice and um, when, even when you're playing practice matches, there's nothing really like being out there and having to put all your ducks in a row at a tournament in a competitive environment, you know, so it takes it takes a lot of repetition to become match tough and um you know i think that's kind of been the biggest thing for me right now is just to kind of have that repetition in matches really get my nose out there in tournaments and fight and um you know i think i've i always lay my heart out on the court when i play but um you know at the same time i i'm still in the process of feeling comfortable out there in competition mode I can only imagine how frustrating it must be just to have to be patient to know you can't just rush back into, you know, WTA events. And I believe at the end of 2018, it was a stress fracture in your left foot as well as a ligament tear in your right ankle. Yes, both at the same time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolute chaos for my feet. (laughs) So so what are you doing at that point? You're like, I'm not walking. uh, Did you have to be in a wheelchair? You know what? Looking back, absolutely regret not being in a wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't. I'm full wheelie mode. I did not do that. So I had a boot in my left foot because the fracture was the more obvious problem. (laughs) And um, I was also on crutches. And so I was kind of putting a bit of strain on my right ankle as well. And I was like, this is not good because my (laughs) foot has an issue. (laughs) I was like, this is not going to work. But you know what? They're they're both doing as well as they're gonna be, so we're we're yeah. fine. <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry to keep harping on this because again, there's a lot more fun things I want to talk about. But for our listeners who you know don't know what that process is like, I think I saw some video of you. Uh, it was in the swimming pool, maybe as your rehab, and it's just what are those morning rehabs like? I imagine maybe you're you know uh, we're both 95ers, so maybe you don't get up till 11. That's what I would do, and then I'd be like, okay, then I'll go do my <laughs> pool rehab. But just what's it like getting up? every morning knowing oh i gotta do another you know two to ten hours of this yeah um you know obviously at first it was tough because i was in pain for a long time before i got diagnosed i i got diagnosed towards the end of the year um but i was having pain since march or april um of that year so it was exhausting to kind of just play through all that pain obviously i was ecstatic when i finally figured out what was wrong with me so um, I think the end of rehab is actually a little bit harder than the beginning, you know, because in the beginning you're seeing a lot of progress and, um, you know, there's short-term goals and, and you see achievements very quickly in your initial stage of rehab. You know, the swelling went down and, you know, I'm able to do things I wasn't able to do in the boot, obviously. And so it's really exciting stuff. And then towards the end of it, you know, that's when we start incorporating some of the cardio stuff and some of the more explosive stuff. Um, you know, in, including some of the pool workouts and kind of getting the endurance back up. And that's that's really the hardest thing, you know, rebuilding um, with any injury, whether it's upper body or lower body, you know, your muscles just kind of take a break, I guess. <laughs> so to have them refiring again, you know, it takes my lungs, my lungs were feeling it. We were feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
no, I can only imagine. And look, again, this is it sucks to have to talk about this, but for you personally, at this point, you talk about the joy you have of finding, uh, being back out on the court, getting to start do those tennis things. For you personally, at this point, is, do you even think about your ranking, or is it more just getting your tennis, your body, to the point where you're comfortable competing week in, week out? Um, to be completely honest, I definitely have to work on not thinking about my ranking. Um, I have to kind of accept where I'm at now and rebuild, you know, because it's my only choice. Um, obviously it's a little bit hard to not think about where I was before I even got sick, you know, and sometimes I just wonder like where I would have been if that didn't happen. Um, which I think is only natural. Obviously I try to not dwell on it because it's in the past and it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, as of right now, I I just really have to stay focused on the current time. So it's been a little bit of a process <laughs> to not think about um, my ranking and stuff like that. But I think, you know, with, with the work I put in every day at practice, you know, the confidence that everything is going to fall into place is slowly coming back for sure. I, you know, for whatever it's worth, I just want to say your positivity, it's contagious. Like, I, I really appreciate that. I can just tell, like, it, it, I can only imagine how frustrating it may be. You talked about getting sick, and for our listeners who don't know, you obviously overcame uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2014, a knee surgery after you busted that in 2016. So it's just, you know, piece after piece after piece after piece. I, again, you were born 1995. We're still 23 years old. I like to consider us yeah. still next gen for whatever it's worth. Do you ever forget, you know, kind of that perspective that you still are only 23 years old and you still have potentially, you know, 10, 12 good years of tennis in front of you? Is it hard to keep that perspective with all of the rehabbing and all of the adversity you go through? Um, You know, I that I'm still you know young and I have a lot of time left in front of me I think personally I do feel like I've missed a lot of time you know so I I don't necessarily feel that way myself um and I know realistically like you said it's it is it is what it is like I do have a lot of years left in front of me especially the way that tennis is operating right now you know we see someone like Serena and Venus and Federer you know crushing it at their age which is absolutely incredible so um I mean I don't know if I'd be lucky to be playing that well at their (laughs) age but um yeah you know I I I definitely feel like a lot of times I have to make up for lost time but um luckily I have people around me to kind of reassure me that you know it's not a race against the clock for me and for you to make a final at your first event in Sumter coming back this year, I, I know you lost to Haley in that final, but how much of a relief is that to know after another six, seven-month layoff, your level is right back to where you can make a final of an event like Sumter? Yeah, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it, honestly. <laughs> when I was like, when I won my first and second and third match, I was like, whoa, who is she right now? <laughs> I was like, simmer down, folks. (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, it was really cool. You know, I think, you know, I've made a comeback, quote unquote, so many times. (laughs) It's just kind of like it was just another one of those things for me to, uh, you know, when you're first coming back, there's no pressure whatsoever. You know, you have absolutely nothing to lose. It's just kind of the joy of being back out there. So, um, yeah, to be able to get so far in a tournament and my first one back, I mean, it was just, it was really exciting. It was really, really fun. 
Yeah, and I, again, I want to dial back uh, in a little bit for our listeners because you have such an interesting past that I think will be very fun for us to explore, or at least maybe fun for me, maybe not as fun <laughs> for you. Um, but, you know, looking towards the end of 2019, again, you got back on the court in June. You've now played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's how you do some live podcasting. Seven tournaments in your <laughs> comeback. Um, what are your goals for the rest of 2019? Again, is it rankings, objectives? Is it just staying healthy? Is at finding parts of your game what do you hope to accomplish before this year's end yeah I mean I think as of right now I don't really have um any ranking goals um to be honest I think the biggest thing for me is to keep doing what I'm doing in practice and matches kind of translating the work I'm putting in practice into matches and rebuilding that confidence um because there have been certain matches on my comeback where I just you know, it just the instincts haven't totally kicked in, and and I'm not feeling totally comfortable out there. Obviously, fighting through some of those matches, but um, I think the biggest thing for me for the end of the year is obviously number one priority for me always is going to be to try to stay healthy, and then um, really just finding my comfort out there where I can execute being aggressive and execute, uh, you know, the biggest things that we're working on on the court, and then hopefully, you know, absolutely crush it in 20. 20- money that's what we want <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and again i just spent 10 minutes on relatively this topic so this may sound like a stupid question but like are you ever like man stop asking me about my comebacks like i'm so sick of hearing these questions how frustrating does it get because i imagine every time it's oh how are you feeling oh are we gonna get to see you and just you're like i'm still a damn good tennis player you know don't forget about me how frustrating <laughs> is it to constantly have to hear that line of questioning um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it just is water on my back at this point. Like I I don't really feel like I, I, I don't really feel like they all have been comebacks. Um just I mean, I know in the grand scheme of things they are, but for me I think this chapter of my return, quote unquote comeback, has just been a new chapter in my life in a way. Um, just kind of mentally letting go of my previous years and starting fresh you know I have a new body have a new perspective and so kind of like starting the building blocks from right now um so that's kind of how I try to look at it obviously um you know if if we're counting this is probably what my seventh comeback (laughs) i I was gonna say you're the harry potter series right now we're right around (laughs) like goblet of fire order of phoenix range order of the phoenix vibes oh my gosh she is a comeback (laughs) queen folks (laughs) absolutely uh, a veteran (laughs) the surgery to your right ankle was serious black being killed off and now you know what you have to do exactly Um, yeah that's a very specific reference for our harry potter (laughs) crossover fans um but but for you um i mean the adversity it doesn't even start with the tennis and i i'm i know you've told this story before but take us back you know to age seven i know you grew up in haiti uh with your family and you guys ultimately had to leave there uh can you kind of talk our listeners through that story because again it's such a fascinating uh interesting tale yeah and so um one of the first scares of my life was when i was seven and um, I was at my aunt's house uh, with my cousins. We were just chilling upstairs, and five, I think it was four or five um, armed 
robbers come up the stairs and held us hostage at gunpoint for a few hours and it was one of the scariest things of my life luckily today i remember only bits and pieces of it which we absolutely love that perfect you all um <laughs> so yeah i mean it was obviously a really scary time and um for my for tennis opportunities as well we just my family or my parents actually i was too young to decide but my parents um thought it'd be a good thing to have my brothers and i in florida to kind of pursue our tennis dream and obviously the concern of the safety in haiti um was very apparent so um yeah it was just kind of one of those things you know it's a crazy thing that happened in my life i still kind of can't believe it and i can't believe none of us were hurt i mean we were just so lucky we ended up finding out that it was one of the few armed robberies and I don't even know if history or however many years that no one got like shot or killed or you know sexually abused and so we were just super fortunate that we got out with uh, just our hearts beating a little bit <laughs> yeah, no seriously it's unbelievable and I guess for you you guys end up in Florida you said to pursue those tennis dreams was tennis something you had already uh, you know started to pursue I guess I know you have two older siblings was it something they were into before you guys left for Florida yeah, so my dad played tennis for fun. Um, we had a tennis court in our house in Haiti in the backyard. So my brothers would take lessons there. And then um, I did ballet up until I was about eight. So I had uh, no intention at all of getting involved in tennis. But um, <laughs> I won my first tournament overseas when I was, or not overseas, across the border to the Dominican <laughs> Republic um, when I was seven. So after winning my first tournament, my parents were like, uh, you need a decision side now you can't do ballet and, tennis. <laughs> and obviously two older brothers you know a little rough around the edges in the household and I was like yeah you know I think I'm not girly enough for ballet maybe I don't know so <laughs> so I ended up going with tennis and uh yeah so my brothers um they ended up playing in college and then I kept pursuing my dream obviously and here we are <laughs> So I have to ask, you had siblings who grew up, I have siblings who grew up playing tennis. I, being the middle child, I remember exactly the first time I beat my older brother. <laughs> Do you have memories like that where you beat them for the first time and you're like, damn, I'm pretty good at this? I don't remember specifically how old I was, but yes, I do remember. Um, and <laughs> my brother, it was, I can't remember which brother it was. I think it was a younger one, so he's 27. And I think... I think he was like injured or something or coming back from something and I beat him. So so I beat him when he was down. You know what I mean? But that's okay <laughs> cuz a win is a win. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. And then I'm sure you were like I'm never losing to you again. Oh my gosh, absolutely not. And he did not hear the end of it from me. So <laughs> And he was like, "Okay, Vicky, congrats. I was injured." I think I think it was like something along those lines and I was like, "Nope, still a victory for me." So <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, when did IMG come into the picture for you? Were your brothers there, or was it just, you know, you are you beat them, and you're like, ha, I get the IMG spot? <laughs> yeah, call Nick Politeri, be like, hey, you know, I just beat my brother, and I really think I need a spot here. <laughs> Nick, be like, your brother is who now? <laughs> um, no, so I started at IMG when I was 13, I believe. Wow, 10 years at IMG. Holy mm. cow. Um, so yeah, so my brother, kind of my oldest one, um, he was a little bit in and out of IMG at the time, um, cause he was playing a few tournaments on tour. Um, but so 
then I started there and we went to Atlanta for one year um, briefly to train there. And then I've pretty much been back at IMG since. I also was in Orlando um, training at the USTA last year. Um, but IMG just always feels like home to me, you know, and I absolutely love the environment and love the coaches. And so um really happy, you know, to be training at IMG again full time. And for you, you know, you talk about the coach and that, but what it, what do you think about the academy experience? I guess what would you t- share with our listeners, the positives of getting to do that full-time, that sort of intense training versus maybe the drawbacks as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the drawbacks is that there's a lot of pros um, at any given time at IMG. You know, obviously one of the most popular training facilities in the world. Um, and so that's just... As, as much of a drawback as it is, it's also a blessing because there's a lot of people to practice with, a lot of competition. Um, so, you know, sometimes I don't have a personal coach, and so um, there are a few coaches who manage the elite players, and that's just kind of how it works. Um, and you know what? It's worked really great for me. And so I'm, I'm just super grateful to have the opportunity to play with, you know some of the girls on tour and and we practice a lot with boys as well so i think it's a good environment to kind of push us and elevate us to uh get better you know i feel like all of the img players have a i hit with kei nishikori story do you have one of those (laughs) i mean i film him on the low key on a regular basis (laughs) (laughs) i think he caught me once i was trying to get a boomerang of his serve and i was like oh my gosh what a rookie mistake thank you But it's okay. We're pretty chill. I mean, I, I kind of die inside every time he acknowledges my presence because I'm still that girl. I'm sorry. My parents literally hate when I say that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm exact. I mean, you're way better than me, so I suppose it, it's a little different. But I'm the same way. I was at a press conference and Novak Djokovic walked in. I was like, guys, are, are we all seeing this? Like, that's clearly <laughs> Novak. <laughs> that's how I feel every time Federer walks into a room. I feel like my heart literally yeah. stops every time I see Roger Federer. I lose five points every time I <laughs> and with like I was on the bike the other day and honestly like I know sometimes Kay has like his media people or whatever oh my gosh this podcast turned into Kay Nishigori <laughs> um, <laughs> but so he has like his media people coming I was on the bike one day and he came next to me and he started biking and then he turned and started he was like how are you he was asking about like my he's like are you training again are you playing again I was like oh my god I was like what <laughs> I was like, first of all, okay, hi, you're amazed. Like, thank you for even acknowledging I'm alive. (laughs) Yeah, you're turning, you're like, me? Was that, you're talking to me? I know, I'm like looking behind me on the bike. I'm like, is there another Vicky behind me? I'm confused. Like, what is happening? You're like, and I'm saying, you're like, I didn't know Azarenka's here. You're like, Vicky. I know, I was like, when did she get here? (laughs) Where's little Leo? I don't know. And then there were like little kids in in the gym, like, just waiting to like i don't know either take pictures with him and there were people walking by they kind of stopped and i was like "Ooh, y'all are jealous like i'm low-key here chilling <laughs> with kate <Kena> shikori <laughs> <laughs> i mean he's yeah. such a good he's such a nice guy though absolutely love him he's the best <laughs> oh I, I mean i can only imagine now yeah. i'm jealous i gotta get down to img you I like to have bike. <laughs> to oh my gosh come during preseason and it's over there's so many pros yeah. i think we had my- like 30 pros last year 
The problem is I'd get kicked out immediately because I'd be taking videos of everyone. And I'd be like, <laughs> no shame. I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, uh, they'd be like, escort security. Yeah, no, I, I was like, no, I'm here with Vicky. I swear, Vicky Duvall. Like, I'll show the little pass. Um, yeah, but getting back on track. So speaking of IMG, obviously when it comes to you, People are, uh, you know, tennis fans remember your run in 2012, not only where you win San Diego, you make the U.S. Open, you make the semifinals of the U.S. Junior, uh, U.S. Open Juniors 2011, you did quarterfinals at Junior Wimbledon, Junior U.S. Open. When you're having that much success that early, is it tough keeping everything in perspective or, you know, looking back on it? Or is it helpful that you're at a place like IMG where everyone else, it seems like, is succeeding as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is my parents really instilled in us to be grounded and and level-headed at all times, you know, so I I never felt um, any different with all my success. Um, I think, you know, my parents are pretty tough, you know, they they have a lot of expectations um, on us, which is a great thing, you know, at times it was tough, but at the end of the day, it kind of shaped us into the humans we are today. So, um, you know, I think in naturally having like such a f- just goofy personality and whatnot, I mean, I, I just never really take anything too seriously. <laughs> and so I was just never <laughs> really, that I couldn't kind tell. Oh, person- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, she's so serious. <laughs> um, so yeah I mean I don't think I was ever that kind of person that anything would affect me in in that sense I don't really know (laughs) no that's fair well when you see the successes and again because in your uh, junior career you were competing with the likes of Annette Conteve and uh, Gavrilova Ashley Barty I think got you twice at uh, junior majors uh, Mm -hmm. you know but you see the level of success that they're all having now uh, on the pro circuit the amount of success you've had when you've been healthy uh, I guess do you get frustrated when you see your contemporaries who have been able, you know, stay a little healthier, have that success, or is it motivating to the point where you're like, oh, I can get right back there with them? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I love, I, I love the sport, and and I've never, I've never had that emotion in my heart to be completely honest. Um, I think, I think also being totally out of control of what's happened to me in my life has helped because. It's not really like I've done anything to myself to set myself back. You know, if anything, mm-hmm. I've I just feel like I've been so blessed with a naturally so positive and optimistic personality that almost to a fault sometimes, you know, but like <laughs> just to just to always just see the bright side and everything. And so, um, I mean, it's amazing for me to see, you know, Annette, she's had an amazing year this year. Um, even Sakari and Jennifer Brady and and some of the girls our generation of the 95 I mean I think it's just amazing if anything you know it helps me realize that you know when when all the stars align I could also just I could also get back up there Um, and so obviously that's what I'm working towards every day and you know every day every day in stride you know I haven't had the path that these girls have had and, and we've all had our obstacles to face, but, you know, I've certainly had my mountain of obstacles. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, it, it would it would be silly to compare myself to where they're at because we've obviously not had the same journey. So every day is just, you know, taking it one day at a time. And uh, I have confidence that I'll get back up there one day. I'm such a fan. 
That was such a good answer. I'm in. I'm, I'm all in on this podcast. This is an absolute treat for me. Um, but so I guess now. It, it, so I buttered you up. Now I get to ask the stupid questions. Um, yeah, yeah. So for you in your comeback again, the big results. Uh, Sumter, you make the finals, quarterfinals in Denver, semifinal more recently in Landisville, everyone's favorite tournament, Landisville, yes. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, I guess for you personally, again. Tennis-wise, in this comeback, what's the hardest part? Is it the getting your movement back? Is it the court sense? Just what about again the starting and stopping for you tennis-wise is the hardest to pick up again? Yeah, I mean, I think physically it's just a constant um, process of rebuilding and maintaining. Um, so I've had to alter my training a little bit to um, you know ensure longevity for me for my training. Um, and so I'm, I'm not spending a ton of time on the court every day. Um, so obviously I need to supplement with a lot of gym work and a lot of cardio, um, which we do, you know, to, to kind of minimize the pounding on my joints. And so, um, I think that's, that's one of the things. And obviously just getting back out there, getting back in competition mode, there's, there's such a mental side to tennis to compete. You know, I don't know who said tennis is 90% mental, whatever else he said. I mean, I don't know how accurate those (laughs) percentages are, but you know, obviously a big portion of it is the mental side. And so, um, and the only way that comes back is being at putting yourself, putting yourself out there in situations where, you know, at the five, four 30 all, you're not gonna, feel any differently than that one all in the first set you know so that's just kind of been the transition for me and just um putting myself in those tough situations to feel comfortable going after my shots do you still have that same thrill competition wise or would you say that adrenaline is even an extra step now yeah i mean i think um not in this particular comeback but i think before um it was a little bit tough for me because because like I said, I was playing in pain for the majority of the year before I got diagnosed um, with my fracture and my tear. But um, a little bit, I, I just didn't really feel um, totally happy on the court at that time just because obviously I didn't know what was wrong and um, I just didn't feel good on the court. So having the opportunity to heal and kind of rebuild my body now and starting fresh now, I mean, it's I'm just totally you know so happy to be competing it out on the court and obviously there's highs and lows I'm not going to sit here and say it's like peachy and whatever you know (laughs) it's it's very tough psychologically every day is a battle um for me physically and emotionally to you know push myself to do what I need to do and and I think that goes for any professional athlete you know what we put our bodies through every day is not normal (laughs) and so um yeah but that being said obviously I have such a passion for the sport and and I still have faith that I can accomplish all my dreams and so um that's kind of what I go back to to keep me going every day and look again your positivity it's contagious it's really (laughs) that's what's made this podcast so much fun um with that in mind there yeah there's one last segment I like to do with yeah again enough buttering up now I'm hitting (laughs) you only with hard questions I've been as nice to you as I need to be I know my cheeks Um, are full red right now (laughs) I did a, yeah. I, this is not the first time you think your cheeks are red. Let me just say again, you gotta, you should see me right now. I'm just oh like, oh gosh. no. I'm like, what do I ask next? I don't want to. Like, this is so fun. I'm like, don't screw this up, Alex. Um, yeah, I love but, this. 
<laughs> yes. That being said, I know just the way to screw up this podcast, and that's doing the last segment we like to do with all of our uh, guests. It's a rapid-fire segment where I'm going to ask you a series of questions. These are the fun ones. Uh, some of them will not be rapid-fire answers, and for that, please answer as long as you want. That's the okay. point of this, but uh, sound good to you? Yep, sounds good. All right, Westoff, give me a rapid-fire sound effect, please. <laughs> All right, so let's start with this one. This is one I had circled. And again, keeping in mind, so 2012, you and I are both 17. I'm seeing a 17-year-old Vicky Duval on screen. I'm like, damn, my generation is <laughs> going to be pretty good. But one thing I did not like, and I say this lovingly, this is universal, not a fan of sunglasses. You still rocking the sunglasses on court? I honestly have no choice <laughs> because... <laughs> I hope my rep isn't listening to this, but it's, it's, it's not because I don't love them. Love you, Pat. <laughs> um, no, but they're prescription. I'm absolutely just not. I can't do well without them. So blind, just blind. Yeah, I'm just honestly just blind. I mean, so my biggest problem when I get into like a super humid environment or if it's indoors, it's over for me because the fog just kills it so can't see anything so i'm playing i'm playing in the quarterfinals in landisville and i'm freak, i'm freaking out it's like 500 percent humidity outside and i was like i can't see the ball i don't know what to do and so i'm like i don't have anti-fog spray i don't know what's going on so i just take them off like in the middle of the match four three i was like all right Vic, we're gonna hit the ball in the middle and just hope for the best that's all we can do right now <laughs> and so yeah the prescription and uh oakley helped it worked. me out it worked and you know what <laughs> i had the biggest headache i could possibly have after the match because i felt like my eyes were working like overtime <laughs> extra credit they were doing just the absolute most but you know what we got it done so <laughs> kudos yeah, to the eyes we got it done <laughs> for sure well speaking of get it done my next question i know that you had the chance to write about one of your returns uh, to the tour in the players tribune and i'm just curious how cool is that to get to it with the modern day you know social media and to get to communicate with uh, just people by writing a piece like that. How fun is it for you? How important is it for you to have those avenues to interact with fans? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it. You know, we're kind of blessed with our platform as well to not only inspire others, but to share our feelings and our story. And so to have the opportunity to kind of just say it in my own words and uh, really connect with fans in that way. I mean, I think obviously the fans enjoy it a lot but it's it's great for the players to kind of have your own voice you know so obviously a super fun experience and and uh, always grateful for opportunities like that yeah it, it was again it was a great piece to read as i was doing the prep for this um all right i saw also while doing the prep you have been on the tonight show with jay leno oh, yes. what's that like <laughs> Um, honestly, it was so different than I expected it to be. It was, it was crazy. And not to put talk shows on blast right now, but it's so rehearsed. It is so rehearsed. Really? Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I mean, I, I felt like an actual celebrity though for a second because it was like we were being escorted to my private room and it had like all these snacks and stuff and it was like marble tables everywhere. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't deserve any of this. This is too fancy for me. I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. Um, and it was nuts. Like it you know like we were there was like media people just, it's such a frenzy too everyone's like in a rush or something and like getting everything prepped and i was like oh my gosh we need to calm down i'm stressed 
and it was like they ran me through everything they were going to ask um and they were like at this point in the show you're going to live because I did a drawing for Jay um for I did like a drawing of his car and just a caricature of his face and um they were like at this point in the show you're going to lift up the drawing and you're going to show it to him and I was like oh my gosh like I know everything that's going to happen <laughs> so they scripted the jokes did he say hey I'm gonna this is how I'm gonna rip on it um, no, I didn't know what he was going to say. Um, <laughs> luckily, I mean, I'm sure he prepped all that stuff too, but, um, I just knew everything. Like I knew the exact questions he was going to ask. And I was kind of told like how I was going to answer them, obviously with my own voice, but like, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, if I don't even remember if I told them my answers and they edited it a little bit, or it was just kind of <laughs> like, Oh, okay, you can say that, but, like, shorten this. You know, so it was like, all right, this is how you're going to answer. You can decide, but we're telling you how to answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's so really was, good. Yeah, it was really interesting. And then, like, the segment at the end, too, at the end of the show, it was like, he was doing his outro or whatever. And, I mean, I think they did this specifically. Oh, my gosh. No, side note. I just need to stop for a second. <laughs> I I didn't realize that on talk shows, I mean, I should have known this, but I didn't realize that they have cards for the audience. And so, <laughs> yeah, there was, like, an applause card. And there was, like, <laughs> there was like a, um, like, a ooh sound card. <laughs> I was like, this is so funny. I did not know this was how this worked. <laughs> and I'm sitting there sweating bullets. I mean, I was like, before I even walked out on the stage, I was like, someone get me a fan. This is out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my jacket and like pit stains are just slowly forming. And I'm like, this is not what we want on Jay Leno. <laughs> and so at the outro... I mean, for sure they were doing this for the fans, but Jay would, like, mess up on purpose and stuff, and, like, they'd be, like, cut and do it again, and Jay would, like, say something stupid, and I was like, you know what you have to say. We went over this. (laughs) So it was just, it was so funny, but it was seriously one of the coolest experiences of my life, and we got a fire selfie together, which I'll cherish (laughs) for the rest of my life. (laughs) Maybe, uh, maybe when we release this podcast, we'll release the selfie simultaneously so that people can, yeah, (laughs) that's a little, that's how you do that promotional. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. But yeah, what an experience. I'm so jealous. I love, I'm a huge talk show slap. I'm big Colbert guy. I mean, just, oh my God, I love Colbert. (gasps) Yeah, so when you do, you know, I guess this year's U.S. Open's passed, but next year when you have the comeback tour, you know, part 17 or whatever, <laughs> and, and and we get the Colt, we, we get the Colbert invite, can I just come as a plus one? You absolutely can come as a plus one. <laughs> Thank you. I'll script, I'll script your answers for you. I'll be like, here's what you're going to say to him. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We don't need you, Colbert. We've already done all the rundowns. Yeah. We don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, again, I know uh, it, throughout this opportunity, and just you, you've been at IMG, you've, as you mentioned, had the chance to train with so many uh, great players. There's a new generation of young next-gen American women, uh, Coco Goff, Amanda Nisimova, Katie McNally, Haley Baptiste, you really, uh, Katie Volley Nets this year's San Diego winner, you can go, who, by the way, just came on the Cracked Interviews podcast, so a little I plug for the listeners there. I love her. <laughs> wow, thank you. Um, <laughs> But but I guess uh, what are your thoughts on that group? Just in general, that uh, I, what, how 
do you feel about the talent base of American women's tennis? Because at, although they're still there, it feels like we are finally at the end of the Serena Venus era of dominance. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's so cool to watch. And someone like Coco, who looks just like such a tremendous athlete, you know, I think one of the things that really amazed me with her was her poise. Um, her poise and her intellect and her interviews and stuff, you know, for someone that young to have such an essence of maturity about her i mean it's i could only dream right (laughs) so um i think i think it's amazing and uh you know some of the other players Haley and katie even whitney osegue who's been doing really well amanda um you know i think i think it's kind of amazing how the next generation of kids have really elevated the game you know in the same way that venus and serena did when they were first coming up you know we're seeing a whole new way that tennis is going to be played for for these kids to have so much power um, at such a young age, and and it, it's really a testament to technology, I think, too, to you know how the rackets are built these days, and and how um, you know the machinery that is available to us to train our bodies in such a way that allows you know the next generation of kids to just be so darn good. I mean, it's 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 fun to watch. It's crazy. I mean, obviously that's my competition too when I come back. So I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and say, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to blow them up too much. But <laughs> not the finest thing since sliced bread, you know, but they're still some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all right. They're okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about that technology. Have you, this is a tangent. Have you ever used a Versa climber? Like the thing that's the, I'm doing the motion right now in person. The Versa, the Versa climber. <laughs> <laughs> it literally looks like death. I'm like, you could not pay me to get on that. You've never done it? Well, I'm not a world-class athlete, and I think it shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's seriously the most torturous machine ever. I heard the Jacob's Ladder is pretty tough, too, but I've never done that. That's but, the other one. All of them. I'm like, keep me away from any ladder, any sort of <laughs> – no. I'm, I'm good. Unless we're fixing a light bulb, why are we on the yeah. ladder? <laughs> exactly. Like, if you need a swimming partner, swimming's my thing. I'm, I'm half aquatic. You know, I'm a young Jason Momoa. But oh, my like, if, <laughs> love to hear it. We just love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, but Versa Climber is too next level for me. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I, I do the Versa quite a bit for my afternoon cardio. Um, oh. Quite a bit to stretch. I mean, it, we we sprinkle it every once in a while. But <laughs> I mean, the big the thing we do most frequently is intervals of twenty on and forty seconds off. So twenty seconds on, forty seconds off, and um, eight or I think eight times, and then two sets of that. Seriously, by the second set, my legs are like, "Excuse you, how dare <laughs> you right now?" <laughs> After that two-minute break, you know, you do the first set, you take a little two-minute break, and you're like, okay, we're good, we're chilling. Then you have to fire again. The legs are like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) It's so tough, but, I mean, it's so good for you, but just so tough. Yeah, I agree, and it probably helps when you're in IMG. You've got all of these pros around you, and getting back to that topic, uh, you mentioned you've had the chance to train in Orlando. I know IMG, you mentioned, still your home, but what is it, I guess, how cool is it beneficial to having that massive training center in Orlando as the hub for all of American tennis? Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing for anyone who hasn't seen the facility, um, you know, it's seriously just top of the line stuff with the gym and, and, you know, I think there's over a hundred courts, right? In Orlando. Yeah, it's It's like 50 clay, 50 hard. It's crazy. Yeah, I think something like that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously to have such a 
big training center. I think it's beneficial to have it in Florida too. You know, conditions are really tough in Florida um, for most of the year. And so um, to be able to train in these conditions makes us even tougher for when we have to go to other places and compete. And so to have that base to kind of go to, and, and obviously a lot of the times the pros are there and there's a lot of people to practice with. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think Team USA is definitely really lucky to have uh, such a nice facility in, in Orlando. And obviously not too far from me, so I'm not complaining either. <laughs> even though even though IMG is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's like the best. <laughs> I have a my grandma has a place in Siesta Key, Sarasota, and so that's like it's like a two hour drive to Orlando, right? Maybe a little less. Yeah, Siesta Key is like twenty minutes from me. I love it so far. Yes, yeah, those beaches, that sand. You want to talk about good sand? Oh that's my the place. gosh! You just I just <laughs> set up shop with my paddleboard, and I'm like, I'm not talking to anyone for the next two hours. Oh, <laughs> uh, you paddleboard? I paddleboard and kayak, yeah. Oh, I'm all in on that. Oh yeah, my see gosh. now that now I get why the ankle hurts. It's the paddleboard. <laughs> She's just diving off. I see a dolphin and I'm like, okay, what's my ankle anymore? <laughs> You're just doing laps with yeah. it exactly. You spend enough time in the pool rehabbing, you could swim like that for sure. Yeah, seriously, swim with the manatees. Oh my god, they're so cute. I see so many of them when I paddleboard. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, last serious question, then fun questions down the home stretch. If you could tell 17-year-old Vicky Duval anything, what would it be? Um, I'd tell 17-year-old Vicky that your life is about to take a really serious turn, but you're totally prepared for it, and don't doubt any decisions you're going to make because they're all going to be the right ones, and you're going to be okay. I love it. Well, then, now the real fun starts. So, again, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I watched a lot of videos uh, in the buildup. By the way, great answer for whatever it's worth. Um, Thank you. But, again, I, I, I saw a video of you for Trans World Sport, and I think you did it with IMG. It might have been in the 2015-16 range. Mm-hmm. And I noticed you were quite the in-car singer. So, my question <laughs> to you, your go-to song you're singing right now in the car. Oh my gosh, I don't even know if I can say this because I would expose myself. So uh, are you saying like, you ain't no hollaback girl? Because I could jam to that. Gwen Stefani, always. Oh my gosh, um, always. 2000s Britney, always. <laughs> <laughs> we love Spice Girls too, come on. Um, so, okay, this is so embarrassing. Honestly, I have to be honest because this is a song I'm listening to on repeat at the moment. Sure. Um, so when I was in Landisville, my housing there, they were playing. They, he was like, "Do you like Irish folk music?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't." Think You're like, what? Seriously, it's already over for me. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm sorry, who?" <laughs> so um, he like played a song for me, and I was like, "This is a banger." I mean, it's not. It's such a slow song, but like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, I love this!" And I'm a sucker for like really instrumental music like one of my favorite bands is the reign of kendo and they're kind of like a jazz band um uh-huh. so i'll listen to them constantly but like this song it's called daily growing uh-huh. and it's hold on i need to figure out who i'm gonna look on my <laughs> on my phone right now <laughs> i need to figure out who it's by so i can absolutely fully expose myself yeah no they deserve a plug it's not if they got you through that landisville tournament they deserve a plug Oh my gosh, so it's called Daily Growing by Alton. 
and <laughs> the group is called Alton, and it's such a slow song. I mean, it's depressingly slow, but it's so good. <laughs> the vocals on it, too. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was playing it before my matches, too, and if anyone listens to it, like, after they hear this, they're going to be like, how the heck could this pump anybody up? Like, this is putting me to sleep, if anything. <laughs> I just couldn't I couldn't honestly like what I listened to before my matches which I mean I'm seriously just I'm so weird so I listen to like movie soundtracks and so I'll listen to like some of the Black Knight soundtracks and like Interstellar um, Pirates of the Caribbean soundtracks I don't know like I just love kind of like the dun. Dr- the- <laughs> you're out there dumb Oh my god. (laughs) I love the drama of a soundtrack before I play. It's just like so dramatic. I'm like, oh my god, like we're ready to play now. (laughs) Are you a Game of Thrones person? This is very random. I have never seen it, no. Oh, there's a soundtrack you would love. Season (laughs) six finale soundtrack. That's you don't even have to see the scene, but it's it's a full build up for an explosion and it's just violence. It's like ha 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 and you're just like I could Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm in. I've probably heard it actually because I follow up a playlist on Spotify. It's called Epic Music Movie Soundtracks, and it's just it's just mm-hmm. on shuffle, baby. Like, let's go. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're a Dark Knight person, I sure like the ha ha. It's all of it. Dimer forever. <laughs> No, that's what I'm saying. This is why we get along. This works perfectly for me. Oh my god, I love it so much. Like if anyone looked at my playlist on my phone, they'd be like, "Whose phone is this?" (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I was playing my like usual soundtracks before I went, and I was like, "This isn't this isn't doing it for me right now." And so I'd go back to (laughs) Daily Growing, and it's just like the world's slowest song, and I'm like, "Yes." And I mean, till look, this day, I, uh, till this day, I'm playing it at least three, four times a day. So, kind of unreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I get it. I uh, everyone has their quirks. For me, yeah. I would always pick a different. I it literally just would depend on the year. If you find one that works, you got to roll with it. Um, exactly. but all right, <laughs> long music music tangent. I like, but uh, <laughs> back on track. Your go to meal off the court. I mean, go-to is probably a sandwich. I mean, I love making sandwiches at home. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but my favorite is pizza. Oh, my God. Pepper- favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Yeah, right? I feel like it's got to be. It's like, got to be. If it's not, yeah. we have a problem. We have a You're problem. You're a liar. Yeah. I don't trust yeah. people who put pineapple on pizza sorry sorry the, <laughs> sorry the pineapple stands about my dms are about to be flooded but you know sorry. Yeah. so my the difference is i can't well pepperoni okay i don't actually keep kosher but i come from a jewish family and like we'll eat pepperoni but we just my dad is like i don't do ham it smells horrible okay. but like i could i understand this is so specific like the hungry howie's pineapple on a pizza i'm fine with but beyond that i completely agree with you i'm like this fruit does not belong it's <laughs> it's it doesn't belong here it's just i just i don't know maybe i have to try hungry howie's 
you know, there's one around the corner from where I live, so I'm going to slide in there and be like, you know, let me let me sniff out this pineapple situation. Yeah, that's, that's the Landisville celebration is Hungry Howie's every time. Oh, um, always. <laughs> they go together so well. Um, but all right, for you, uh, let's think a couple others. What, when you're not playing tennis, Vicky Duval can be found? Mm, painting. Or no, honestly, studying as of right now. (laughs) But painting, ideally. (laughs) What are we going with study-wise? Studying economics at the moment. I'm in my sophomore year. So this semester, I'm taking college algebra, stats, and uh, business and society. Jesus. And you're playing tennis? Yep. Oh my god. (laughs) I I guess what, what for you is the best part about doing those classes? What do you enjoy about them? Um, honestly, I just, I mean, my parents are always very big on education and, um, it, it, I, even when I turned pro when I was 17, I knew I was going to, you know, start college. I didn't know when, cause obviously I was doing really well at a young age and that was kind of, um, it at the time. Um, but after, after some of my obstacles, it kind of makes you think too. And, and obviously I devote all my energy to tennis and that's always going to be my number one priority but it's also nice to come home and uh you know have there's 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 more to us than tennis (laughs) and so I think people forget that sometimes too and so um there's a lot of projects that I want to do after my tennis life and so obviously trying to facilitate that with uh this big fat econ degree that we're gonna get (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. And look, you said uh, your parents strike uh, on it. I'm gonna, and I agree. By the way, that's a great plan. Again, uh, you're asking for me. Keep giving me more reasons to like you. I always ah, appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> but the last question for you, and I'm banking on the fact we're at the, you know, over the 50 minute mark. Uh, Mom, Dad, Duval are no longer listening. Why <laughs> and how badly do you need to move out of your house? I need to move out like yesterday. <laughs> like seriously, this is just I mean, the biggest concern for me is how I'm just gonna take out like four fat boxes out of the house. <laughs> like <laughs> which is a conversation that hasn't even happened yet. Um so hey, that's I'm the late out. <laughs> Yeah, that's a oh, sorry. Yeah, spoiler alert. We'll uh we'll we'll throw in a sound effect over it. But um yeah, I guess, uh, you know, that sounds like a perfect nighttime cardio session. You yeah. move out, you grab the boxes. Who needs the Versa climber? We don't. And I have stairs to go up my house. And so, gosh, <laughs> we're going to have plenty of quad work there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that on, on that note, then, Vicky, seriously, thank you so much. This was an absolute blast. Uh, good luck to you throughout the rest of 2019. But as you just continue to get healthy, because I, I know I speak for all of us tennis fans when we know there are big things ahead for you. Thank you so much. Such a treat to be on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. And you talk about post-career goals. If any of them involve media, you have my number. You know who to call. Yes. I mean, I definitely (laughs) want to get involved in a podcast. Just throwing it Um, out there. All right. Mike Cation stole Noah Rubin from me, and we could get into that a whole other time. Uh, But (laughs) I'm I'm at Gruskin and Duval, Tuesdays, 6 p.m. That sounds like a show. 
that sounds like a show to me and honestly <laughs> i don't know why we're not starting one <laughs> yeah, yeah. the problem is so we have a our C, uh, guy dalton who runs the cracked racket show he's gonna hear this and expect three instagram messages by tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm already working on Dalton a little bit between me and you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Well, on that note again, Vicky, thank you so much and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Of course. Take care. Thanks. Bye.